Once upon a time, two men decided if they were making the cut. And then they made the cut. And now JT and Aaron are talking everything from wrestling to pop culture and beyond. Because it's no holds barred. Will you back down, turn and run? Or stand up with the best? No hold barred, brother. Have you seen the figures they're releasing? Uh, figures I haven't. Yeah, actually, um, I, think I, I think I saw the Rip one. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Re- yeah, it's like Rip and Zeus in a two-pack at the San Diego Comic-Con. And it like the whole box is like, it looks like a VHS. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm very disappointed there's no Brel. <laughs> Think they couldn't get him to sign? Has that guy done anything like in the last fifteen years? I think he did. I think he's been in a lot, actually. You know what's funny about him is I feel like if I met him, I would I would be like, oh man, I'm so you were so great as Brell. And I feel like I, I like people probably don't approach him with that that often. Right, right. It's like when I met Richard Jenkins and talked up Hall Pass. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, could have maybe had something better. So Kurt Fuller, yeah, he's been like in a lot of stuff right up until 2018. Mm. Scary movie. Like he's in some decent sized stuff. What's his biggest? Is it Wayne's World? I guess. Yeah, I think Wayne's World. I'm trying to look at his last TV. Uh, he was in TV right up until last year. Psych, he did. Law and Order, he did one of those. Sure, but it's like he he's not a star in it. He's just like a one off, right? Oh yeah, yeah, correct, correct. Um I'm trying to look at the biggest. Uh how do you feel about Mr. Woodcock? I don't even what is that? <laughs> I think he's like a principal or something, Mr. Woodcock. What's uh, it <laughs> It's a movie. Oh, that's a movie? Yes, it has uh what's his face in it? Fucking um uh, I gotta pull it up now, hang on. <laughs> I will keep on saying Billy Ray Cyrus, but not Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy Bob Thornton. And uh, Stifler from American Pie. Yeah, I know who Stifler is. Yeah. Do you know, basically, do you Billy Bob is like, yeah, Sean William Scott. <laughs> it's just funny because basically he's known Bob. as him. <laughs> Billy Bob's like his gym teacher that used to bully him, and he's oh. now he teaches at the same school. And Woodcock is like banging his mom basically, so he's gonna oh, like a step. Oh, that's great. That's a great concept. Yeah, I, I remember I said it once or twice. It's actually kind of funny. Did you did you see the movie? Yeah. Okay, I gotta check it out. That actually is good. Now, is Ethan Suplee uh, skinny or fat in it? Mm-hmm. I want to say skinny. Okay, but you know who I'm talking about, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, because that's from, got from uh, Mallrats. Oh, you see, I I would have said a guy from American History X, but I'm assuming you have not seen that movie. I don't think I ever have. Yeah. Well, do you like Nazis? Are you a fan of Nazis? Uh, I'm aware of them. Okay, so you're interested in them and maybe want to learn about them. His movies are pretty spotty. I think he does more TV. He does a lot of TV, actually. Who, who are so we talking more about TV at this guy. point? Fuller? Uh, Kurt, Kurt Fuller. Okay. <laughs> I was looking at this. I would uh, Chad will probably correct us, but I'm saying probably Wayne's World. Um, he's in Anger Management. That was a pretty big movie. 
Oh, is that with um, Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholson? Yes. Hmm. He's in like all the scary movie, date movie, superhero movie shit. Yeah, he's like the go-to like Mm -hmm. like, second tier guy. Right. He plays plays a guy in a series called Evil called Dr. Kurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's in a lot of those, it looks like. Yeah. He's a regular of con i've never heard of any of these shows i was in the no, good wife my wife was into the good wife for a long time yeah, he's in a ton of stuff my name is earl Grey's anatomy i mean he's done everything parenthood weren't you into that show yeah that's right he's on that dr bledsoe is that uh he's related to drew bledsoe no, you're reading it wrong it's bed slow oh that's a much worse name <laughs> He's in, like, every show I've ever, like, like, he's in Desperate Housewives, he's in Boston Legal. Yes. He's in everything. Guy, this guy is a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Like, to be on these yeah. shows and constantly have this, like, he's made a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of royalties constantly coming in, et cetera, too, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, but, but even those days, he gets paid a lot for those days. Right. Yeah, good for him. Seems like a nice guy. Yeah, good for Brell. You know, Brell. <laughs> Brell sadly died in No Holds Barred, and I mean, I could have used. Oh, it's the not Brell confirmed. Sequel. I don't think they, they never confirmed he died. He was on an episode of WWF Challenge as Brell. See, if he but died did you in know the movie, that? he couldn't have done that. No, I did not. Whoa, hold on. I need to know. <laughs> I need to know what. Interview with Brell, Wrestling Challenge. This is insane. I had no idea this existed. Was it from right when the movie came out where they were doing the pay-per-view? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's on YouTube. I, I, I want everybody should check this out. He's in full character looking for Hulk Hogan. Oh, and geez. Mean Gene. And Mean Gene is like, Mr. Brell, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> as if it's not enough of a mind fuck that Zeus from the movie showed up. Like, now Brell from the movie shows up, but he's not Rip, he's Hulk Hogan. It's odd. So when, does it have a date? Yeah, it's Wrestling Challenge, June 25th, 1989. All right, so that's right around the movie came out, I think, right? Yeah, it came out like in May or something? Yeah, he is screaming for Hulk Hogan. Because, <laughs> you know. Not- Fucking Brell. Oh, my goodness. Thank heavens for Kurt Fuller. What a gem. Oh, what a gem. Yeah. We'll do a whole episode as ranking that episode <laughs> of the challenge. By all means. I'm and if you are a Christmas mean. episode, we'll just do that. We'll just break down this one minute clip of Brell mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. for an hour. How did they miss this on Letters from Kayfabe back in the day? That seems like right up their alley. I just don't know how I didn't know this existed. Mm-hmm. He's really he's really angry because he had contractual agreements with Hulk Hogan, apparently. Well, of course he did. It's amazing. And he's and, and OK, so the character of Brill is also being like, that wasn't a movie. That's a travesty referring to No Holds Barred. It's amazing that they ran it on challenge and not like superstars or primetime or science event or something. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe they just had him for like a weird afternoon. Well, I guess it's pre-taped. They could have put right, it. Right, it's anywhere. pre-taped. They could have. Yeah, it got dropped it anywhere. Maybe he's like, you know what? I watch Challenge with my kids, so put it on Challenge, <laughs> or I'm That's not doing church. it. <laughs> All right. Um, what what are we doing? <laughs> We're doing our uh, <laughs> monthly jaunt through the greatest duty wrestler ever list. If you've been with us all year, you know, we do this once a month and we are running through our reorganized list. So the original project ran in 2017. You and I, at the end of last year, took that list and shook it up a bit. And we are sitting here letting everyone know it's going to change before we really submit in December. So when we get to the end of the year, this list is going to look very different yet again. But we're we're working through the one we set up in, in December last year. There are no changes to be made until the end of the year. Uh, yeah. At least, you know, we're working on changes, but the ones we're presenting is a static list from December. Oh, yeah. And I, I cannot stress enough how different my final list is going to be than this one. Although I think there'll be some themes that remain the same. And up to this point, we're, we're at the midway point. We've done 51 off our list so far. Very good. Yes, we have. Um do you want to really quickly remind everyone of the NJPW system? Sure. Uh, I mean, you know, I think I feel in two se- 2017, we we're way more dogmatic about it than we are now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but an NJPW does not mean that people are chopping the shit out of each other and dropping each other on their necks. No, uh, N is nuance. So, I mean, like what, what, what different things does the character do? Um, are they able to work as a heel, a face, a tag team, uh, mid card, upper card, uh, main event, stuff like that. J is jump up factor. So big moments, uh, big matches, stuff like that. P is promos, but in promos, we're also usually uh, including character in there as well. So it's not just if you cut promos, like how good is your character also. And, uh, W is work rate. Uh, and so how good are you in the ring? And it's weird. Like, I feel like match quality tends to be in here, but it also kind of bleeds mm-hmm. into jump up moments. So, yeah, I, I think that's why with this one, we're a little less dogmatic about it. It's more just, okay, like it's a consider, guideline. Yeah. Yeah. C- consider all these things, but go on feel kind of thing. Like, right. I, I find that the process for this one has been more loosey goosey, but in a yes. lot of ways, I, I like it. Like, because I remember last time we made sure that e- like everybody had to be nominated to even make the list. Right, right. Right. Like, like you had to get it nominated and then like, I think two people had to second it and then you could put mm-hmm. the guy on your list. And I like it better this way. Cause I mean, you know, you're going to get a couple outliers, but like, I mean, right. who cares? If, generally going to get the same guys. Yeah. 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 Who cares if CJ Parker gets like one vote at 98, <laughs> you know, like, like Terry Taylor didn't even get nominated last time or he did. Well, no one else backed it up. I think, well, <laughs> he, it's free form this time and he's probably not going to get any votes. So who cares? I would agree. All right, so we're going to start at number 50 here tonight. We're going to go through 41. And my number 50, and I have this little run of guys. I think I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but I've been unsure what to do with, like, the NXT guys. I feel like mm. I had nine or ten of them that could maybe make the list, but I just didn't want to over-represent. I know that maybe goes against the spirit of the list. That's just how I want to handle it, though. So right. I kind of tried to pick, like, the best of the bunch to be represented in here. So as as such, I actually have three in a row stacked up. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, I think they'll move in December when I submit my final list. Uh, a lot of it is piggybacked on the fact that Marcus Fuller and I on WD War Wrestling Above Replacement airs every other Saturday here. It's a very nerdist look at wrestling through uh, plus minus system. I just nerdist? watched NXT. Nerdist on nerdist. North South Connection Podcast Network? Nerdist. That's, that's ridiculous. 
it's rare, I know. Yeah. Um, so we just watched the eighteen nineteen NXT season. So I'm very familiar with these guys. But uh, at number fifty on this list that I crafted in December, prior to watching all that, I have Adam Cole Bebe. Okay, him I got substantially higher. Okay, I had him. Um, he wasn't even on my list last time, but that's not a surprise given it was twenty seventeen, and I don't think he had really broken out yet then, right? No, he had just. Well, 2017, we we uh, we handed it out in in December 2017, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he had arrived and he had had the first War Games. Right. But I remember you had not seen that War Games. Correct. Because when we got together in 2019, we watched it together. Yes, that's right. Um. So yeah. So I I, I totally get why he isn't on your list. I mean, we can talk about him now if you want. He's he would be in next episode for me. But let's get him out of the way. Let's talk about him. Okay. Yeah, because I actually kind of want to hit. So wh- why don't we do this for brevity's sake? Yeah. Uh, let's do my 50, 49, and 48. Okay. And you know, I'll. Uh, my 49. Yes, go ahead. Well, tell me who they are, because I think there's one of them we should probably save if, if it's right. in this. I'm sure it's in this, but tell me who they are. Okay. My 49 is Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah. And my 48 is Johnny Gargano. Okay. Let's save Gargano. Okay. And we'll talk about. Because Ciampa. Uh, Adam Cole for me is at, currently at 34. He might move down a bit, and Champa is at 44. So f- Champa we would be talking about tonight anyway. But let's let's talk about Cole. Okay. So I obviously like a lot of his stuff. Um, I think the fact that he never came up to the main roster helps him in this case. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think it only would have hurt him. So he's kind of, and, and I guess Gargano is really the same way. Uh, he's kind of protected in that manner he obviously was the lead heel of the brand and of the top faction on that dominated the promotion really for a couple years i think it was even in last december it was just a lack of familiarity with his top stuff for me um and i know um as you hear a war (laughs) notoriously a little bit lower on the new york main event with him and gargano yeah um so i know some you know melzer's what six on that or whatever so it's five and uh, a half Right, right, five and a half. So going into December last year, that was I didn't have a ton of frame of reference beyond that. I yeah. will say he definitely stood out more for me while watching the eighteen nineteen season uh, for War. So like, um, try to just pull up the grades quick here. For example, the UK title tournament, I had him at three and three quarters and a tag. Uh, against Wolfgang, I was like, whatever. Against Ricochet, four and a quarter. War Games, four and a quarter. And then four and a So, I mean, his big matches for that one year are all over four stars, so pretty much. And, and I know he's got other really good stuff, too. Yeah, that's 18, 19, and it keeps going. That's the thing. Right. Is it, it, right. Like, I mean, I, it, the problem with his matches, especially the Gargano matches, and we'll talk about this when we get to Gargano, it's this weird thing where, like, and I can appreciate that they're clearly great matches, Mm-hmm. But I don't want to watch them again. Right. Like like you guys recently talked about the TakeOver New York one. I think you had it at four and a half. Am I crazy? Four, or and, you have four and a quarter. Four and a quarter. I have it at four and a half. And it's so – but it's the same kind of thing. Like, oh, God, I don't want right. to watch it again. And then they have one at TakeOver um, 25. And I think that's where Cole wins the belt. I have that at four and three quarters. But I never want to yep. watch it again. Like, right. And it's – I can never say that they're bad. But, like, that does that is meaningful that you never want to see it again. It's the length too, which doesn't help them. Um, like, there's I, definitely a, f- yeah, there's definitely a fatigue there where it's like eight to ten minutes too long on, on all of them, pretty much. Yeah, and I think I would. It's weird because 
we're not going to talk about Gargano because I have Gargano rated above all these guys, right? But like, it's the Gargano factor in it mm-hmm. that that makes them bad. To me, Adam Cole, not bad, bad is not the right word. That makes me not want to watch it again because every match with Gargano is like him surviving, like the 85th Brigade dropping bombs on him, and then right. you know maybe losing, but then maybe not too, right? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. It's the big move, big move, big move, big move. Like, it, it's enough after a while. And the drama, like, that you have to invest in all the matches, too. Um, yeah. I think I think one thing, and I know this is going to sound hypocritical, because our number one, you know, one of the big things we always throw about is how emotional the stories are, et cetera. But I also feel like when you watch these things as one-offs in, in the vacuum, mm-hmm. they also lose a little something, too. Like... I think a big part of the NXT story for all these seasons and years is the ongoing thread because they, the feuds go are like, and I know it's what everyone kind of wants in wrestling, but in a vacuum, I think it hurts because like you're not as emotionally invested. And now it's just like a 40 minute match with a ton of kickouts. And maybe you don't yeah. have the background and the backstory of to how him and Ciampa got to this point And this, you know, and how he had to adjust his moveset and prove himself and blah, blah, blah. It's like, it all threads together into one large story. It feels like, and I know that's an influence of like Shawn Michaels. And that's one of the reasons certain people aren't a fan of that style either. Um, but right. everything is like a pathos play. Nothing is just like a match over a title or like over a grudge. It's just, everything is like super dramatic. Yeah. But I don't, don't know need if that's that. good or bad. Yeah. It's that it's every match. Correct. As a, as opposed to on the main roster where it doesn't exist at all. Correct. And so yeah. on the main roster, everything's more sterile, but if they just go too far the other way in NXT. Right. And you want like an emotional connection. You want um, drama in your matches, but you can have great matches without like, like, like Macho Man and Tito Santana. <laughs> like, like there's emotion in yeah. the match, right? There's fire and excitement, but there's not like this dramatic, overacting to the crowd and this and that. And that's what really, I think hurts that era of NXT more than anything. It's, um, and I tried to stay positive on it cause I knew my co-host on this show was right. overly slanted against it. So it was like, I was trying to be objective, but it's something that does bother me too. And I remember having these discussions after takeover New York and during that time frame about how I felt about these matches, because yes, I didn't, but I also wasn't an NXT Homer, you know, like, I think there are folks that just were super into NXT during that stretch, so they just were really into that style or or whatever. But for me, I don't have that nostalgia to it either. Tuning in, I, I'm curious, and I'd actually be curious to know what Marcus thinks about this, because uh, he's he's the one who dislikes NXT the most out of the people I know. And um, let you know via voice note tomorrow. It'll be yeah. like 40 minutes. That's good. I I appreciate all of those. Uh, no, w- what my thought is like, I wonder if they overdo it on all that emotional stuff because they've kind of lost the ability to sell emotion in an individual match. Like, because right. his criticisms of the N- of the NXT stuff is very much it's like move, 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 as opposed to storytelling. And I wonder if that's kind of been the replacement. Oh, look, like it, almost like they don't realize that's the problem. It's like, oh, right. like, well, well the, the match doesn't have any storytelling. I wonder why. Well, let's add this drama as opposed to like, oh, Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior had storytelling because it looked like two gods fighting. And, you know, like right. it just they just told a better story in ring. A lot of it to me is just the facial, like the 
kick out into the look into the crowd. I well, I don't those. know. It's just it's so, and, and it's not even just in WWE. It's an indie thing too during that stretch. Like it's just that's how that whole crew rose up in Ring of Honor, right? It was like heavy there too in the early to that 2010s. Um, just a lot of that big bomb, big bomb, multiple finisher, spam. Look into the crowd. You can't believe it was only a two, et cetera, et cetera. You like, know, we talk we talk about how that is a Shawn Michaels influence, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm going to throw another name out there that probably should have an influence on that, and that's The Undertaker. Harley Race. Yeah, no, The Undertaker, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't believe he didn't beat Hulk Hogan on that Saturday Night's yes. Main event. Uh, no, but, like, it's like The Undertaker, which was, like, a match that everybody looked forward mm-hmm. to every year, right? It, be- it ended up becoming almost a caricature of itself. Right. Like, the first time Michaels kicked out of that tombstone at WrestleMania 25, I mean, it sure doesn't help mm-hmm. that that's, that match in the company is lauded as the greatest match of all time, right? Right. And, and that kick out is such a thing. But, I mean, you know, when, when Bray Wyatt kicks out of a tombstone and Undertaker acts shocked, I mean, it's like nine years in a row of people right, kicking right. out of tombstones. Like, maybe it's not surprising anymore. At least it was just once a year, though. Yes. Whereas and not every week like, <laughs> and, and multiple times in a match. Right. Um, the Panama Sunrise is really like the, the 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 point that makes the point. Right. Like that. Yeah. That movie illustrates like all the problems. Yeah, because it's too devastating. Correct. <laughs> it's it, it's like it's just way too devastating to not finish a guy off completely. Yes. That's going to be the finish. If you're not going to make it the finish, save it. I think, too, I'm going to throw another thing out in this discussion about not our list, but just this general thing. Um, I remember there was a point, I, I want to say it was in, t- maybe it was 2020, it was 2020 or 2019. It's when, so you had Johnny Gargano doing all this on, you know, every week. Then there was the match with Walter against Tyler Bate. Do you remember that match mm-hmm. where Walter just destroyed him but couldn't pin him? Yeah. Like, he just kept fighting back, kept fighting back. And then... I, a week later, maybe that week, Candice LeRae was doing the same thing in the women's division. Mm. And I remember thinking, it's like, now it's just everything. Right. Like, now it's just, you know, whatever. Like, in, in every in every match, in every show, there's like a never-say-die baby face. And I just right. cannot deal with it anymore. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that being right, said, what though, do you think I, about Champa? Well, I think, okay, well, I think Cole's resume is really hard to deny. Uh, besides that, though, I mean, I think he'll he, probably go up is my guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I would have look, I have him between Ciampa and Gargano. Mm-hmm. Gargano top, uh, um, Cole, then Ciampa. I think you got to factor in all the star power that Cole brings to that brand on top of all this. Right. Um, all the work he does in the um, in the war games, like war mm-hmm. games becomes um, the undisputed eras match. Right. For better or worse, but usually they're all pretty good. And he's the centerpiece of almost all of them. He's amazing in that ladder match uh, at at um, uh, New Orleans. That's the one where the North American Championship, that's in New yep. Orleans, right? Yeah. Yes. He's amazing there. He's just good consistently everywhere else. Um, the star power is big. Even when he goes up on the main roster and fights Pete Dunn at SummerSlam, it's like I have that match like four and a quarter stars. You know, like, mm-hmm. like it's just everywhere he goes, he succeeds. I remember when we went to TakeOver New York, all night, all anybody was cheering for oh, yeah. was Adam Cole. Yep. And just it was the, the same in New Orleans. Yeah. To the point where in concessions, I yelled Nat King Cole and people yelled <laughs> baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was the same so, that whole year. I mean, in New Orleans, all up and down Bourbon Street, that's all you would hear is baby. 
Yeah. And I, I agree that he's helped by not going up to the main roster. For yes. Ciampa, I think you get a little bit less mm-hmm. than Cole in terms of one-on-one matches, although he does have the great stretch with Gargano. He does okay. have what I think. He does have the tags, too. Yes, that's it. And But he does. His title reign is, like, sneaky good. Mm-hmm. Again, so you just watched it against Aleister Black, against Velveteen Dream. So, like, he, he's he got that, and then he's got all the tag stuff. But I just don't think he's he has the intangibles that Adam Cole has, and that's why I have him below him. Yeah, he also, uh, what I like about his title reign is, I feel like it's the most varied title reign in NXT. Because mm. every big event, he's fighting someone new and different. Versus the same, like, you know, five straight matches or whatever that everyone else seems to have. So it was cool that he fought Black, and then... And then dream, and then you know whatever. So like it was nice that he bounced around. Uh, it sucks that his reign ended with the injury. I think the injury prone piece hurts him for sure. Yeah, feels like he gets hurt every time he's on the verge of a big push, or he's cranking along. But yeah, the DIY tags are obviously like all timers that you know carry his resume. But that's what gets him on the list, really, is in my opinion. Um, I was obviously a little bit lower, I think, than consensus on some of the Gargano Champa matches. Like yeah. Brooklyn, I went four and a quarter. I thought they're diminishing returns as they went a bit. Chicago, yep. I went four and a half. Um, and then I obviously I went, we didn't. Yeah. I think I went five at New Orleans. Yeah, we didn't catch that in the season, so I'd have to no. look back at it. But it definitely feel like they dropped every time. Yes. Uh, to the, and, and the Brooklyn one was definitely a, an example of a match that went like seven minutes too long mm-hmm. and just too much. Um, yeah. But the story was engaging. Obviously, it was a, carried a big chunk of NXT during the most successful years, so that helps as well. His main roster hasn't done anything. Um, I don't think it's hurt him per se because no, he just he hasn't been bad. He hasn't really done much. So just just kind of it's like a net washout for me. Whereas like Pete Dunn, like not that he, he's on our list, but he feels like his main roster run has hurt him in my eyes. Yeah, I just don't get him mixed up with Bushwhacker and Butch's career. <laughs> so stupid. Um, but yeah, I, you touched on something really interesting there. It's like you said that like these like he was part of the um, the hottest run in, in NXT. Right. But it wasn't just the hottest run in NXT. There was a period where NXT was the hottest promotion. Right. right? And that was yep. very much on the back of Gargano, um, Ciampa and Adam Cole. So no matter what, the three of them have to finish high, I think. Right. And if you, I, I know there are some people that like don't want to count NXT, but I think at this point it's like it's become such a part of the product. Yeah, I could see that argument in 2017, maybe, but yeah, I, I think by now it's it's just it's just part of it. Although, I mean, I guess on the flip side, you could argue it got so big that you could do your own list of NXT and not include it. Like Marcus yeah. and I had this exact debate, right? It was it was part of my issue with the year that was. Um, I felt like the NXT stuff artificially inflated some bad dirty years yeah. uh, on some of those. And like, I like the way we're doing it where it's its own entity within the project. Cause I think, you know, we could later combo it. Right. So if we do 18, 19 dirty at some point, which we will, we could say, okay, here they are separate, but what if they were together? Like what would it have looked like? Right. Um, so we can definitely do that, but I feel like there's, they are presented so differently in presentation overall. It's not to me like, heat you know what i mean like it's it's like its own sure. self-contained world so i don't know i'm actually kind of maybe going the other way where i think now more than ever we probably could have done just not included nxt careers and done like next year do like an nxt 50 or something 
Yeah, it just becomes a thing then is that like, okay, but then you're really splitting guys up, right? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're only considering their NXT stuff. Right. But then what if they succeed on the main Raw? Like, I I don't know. Like, I oh, get that it. Oh, counts toward the Dirty East stuff, you know, like Sasha Banks, right? Like her, right, you'd factor in her career separately. Right. Yeah, I suppose. So, anyway, we're not here to do that. Uh, who is your 50? Uh, okay, so my 50 is Kofi Kingston. Okay. Have you have you done Kofi yet? I was just about to look. I feel like we I had him. Um, uh, I had him at 55. So, I mean, I don't I think we kind of talked about him last time, but mm-hmm. um what I want to mention about Kofi is I think he gets the place on the list. So I find there's a clump of guys that are similar. So mm-hmm. I find him, Greg Valentine, Tito Santana, and Ziggler. I think for me, they all eventually need to be clumped together. And I right. think he's the champion of that group. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, on this current list from December, like Tito and Hammer are way higher for me. But uh, I think Kofi probably deserves a little bit more of an evaluation on my end. I will say, though, like... He does have a bunch of stuff that was just kind of there for a while, right before New Day. I mean, he shows up in what, oh eight? Yeah, and he's got good stuff, but it's good, yeah. But it's not like greatest wrestler of all time stuff. It's really not till New Day takes right. off, right, that he gets there. Like, would he been on? Would would he have been on? Was he in your list in twenty seventeen? Yeah, he was. Him. Yeah, was he, he moved up twenty nine spots. All right, I had him at 89, so sure. Yeah. Uh, but New Day was, what, a couple years in at that point already, right? So, and they already had gotten good. Yeah. They started getting good in, what, the end of 15, I think, or something like that. So, um, before that, I don't think he's probably there, right? I mean, if, if he was at 90, and that was already with some New Day stuff, he's obviously then has the world title run, plus all the big-time New Day stuff since. I, so, think I mean, there's still a big jump for him. I think you're undervaluing how important he was to the mid-card in the early 2010s like he was the i think you are because he was the perpetual intercontinental or u.s champion he had good matches such a such a whatever era like if he didn't exist in that stretch and he debuts a new day in 14 is there really a significant change in product i think so i think you lose some good i think you lose some look is there a significant huge change in the product probably not but I think you lose a, a decent swath of good moments and very good to sometimes great matches. Like, I, I would not put him – look, look, I have him at 50, right? So, like, it's not like he's coming right. up the list. But, like, when I put him next to a guy like Tito Santana or Greg Valentine, like, I, 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 don't, I don't see an argument why what, – what's the argument for uh, Greg Valentine being ahead of him? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm prepared to make that argument, honestly. I didn't have to because Greg Valentine for me is much higher. But, yeah, I mean, he's someone that may. (laughs) I'm going to bring it back up then. (laughs) He's someone that may adjust back down. I mean, I know I was, like, really high on him. I think I was just really into that era when we did these. Um, But he stayed around the same for me. Like, him and Tito were right inside the top 30 for me. Yeah, and I think upon reevaluation, I think all of them go around here. Yeah, I don't know. There is such big cogs and pieces of like the biggest era or whatever, one, two biggest era in history. Like they're they're the top dogs like they're 
because Kofi was IC champion doesn't really mean Kofi was at the level that those guys are presented at in 84, 85, 86, 87. Yeah, but they don't produce as many big things as Kofi does. Like when you guys when you guys are ranking things on war, right? Like you give points for like big every single big moment or every right. single good match. Again, it's a volume thing though, right? I mean yeah. Kofi has all that volume and the opportunity. This comes back to the same argument I feel like we always have. Yeah. It's like the opportunity the opportunities today, or at least mm-hmm. since the mid nineties and, and probably even a little later, uh, just are way outweigh the opportunities both in the 80s and then the 80s outweigh the opportunities in the 70s well, and the 70s outweigh the opportunities in the 60s and I think there's, there's so a way many- to, I yeah. think there's a way to balance it. I think there's a way to like well, maybe not completely, but like just take Kofi's top 10 matches, singles matches, take Greg Valentine's top 10 singles matches, match them together, see where you end up. And because Greg Valentine's matches in that era get time, right? He gets a lot of time against good opponents and he produces mm-hmm. really good matches. Take the New Day's uh, top matches against Greg Valentine team's top matches. You know, like, I agree that Greg Valentine for one year was more, like, higher up the card than Kofi Kingston probably ever was, including his world championship run. But then there's the bulk of the rest of everything that I think needs to kind of be weighed in this, right? Like, Valentine is, I'm not trying to slag off Valentine. I'm just trying to make the point that I think these four are like the quintessential mid-card guys. And I think you could take all four of them out and nothing really changes. In, I don't in the know. I, I feel like Tito maybe is the one that most. I, I liked, I, I really though, because I mean like he's great, he's great, right? But like another hot baby face could have had that exact same run. I don't know. Like I, Tito and Ziggler are more the comparable to me. Like they feel like the quintessential, like mid card guy who sniffed the main event every now and then. Mm. But yeah, that, I guess look, not to linger on it too long. <laughs> I got Kofi at fifty, but I think that's the batch for me. And right. I would like to hear a compelling argument as to why a guy like Valentine or a guy like Santana should be far above him. Right. I mean, we'll get we'll get there when we get to a Valentine on your list. Yeah. So, I mean, the issue really isn't that like because I have Kofi at 55. So the yeah. issue isn't really that we're far apart on Kofi. You just feel the other guys I have higher shouldn't be higher. Yes. Yeah. All right, who's your 49? 49 superstar Billy Graham. OK. I think I had him below. Yeah, he was at 58 for me. Yeah, he's going to move down. Uh a bit on my list. Um, but I think he, he should probably get some major points for influence. Um, mm-hmm. I, I actually think he's a really good seller. I like his in-ring work. Like, yeah. I love how he sells as though he's being murdered the whole match, despite being way larger than any of his opponents. Um, I like him as a talker. I like the nuance of him too. Like if we're using the JPW system mm-hmm. and I, I just think he's a really interesting cog in this late seventies wheel. Yes. Where, where he's the bridge, he's the bridge between Bruno and Hogan, I think. Right. With like a veer off into Backlund. Yeah, we were high on his stuff, uh, or him personally. When we uh, every other week on this show here, once a month, we are going through every WWE World title change in history. So we obviously talked about a couple of Billy Graham matches mm-hmm. and his presence 
I mean, it, you always say it, right? I mean, even his freaking DVD was called 20 Years Ahead or Early, whatever yeah. the fuck it said. <laughs> so it's like, but it's true. Like, it really is true. He, yes, he had the flamboyant persona of like a 70s guy, but he's someone that absolutely could have been dropped in 1998 and hung. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, just would have fit right in. And the problem is by the time he comes back, when F is at its hottest in the mid 80s, he's cooked like he's just got yeah. nothing left to give. And they tried. I mean, they tried to have him have the comeback with, against one man gang and all that. But it was just he was just too beat up. So and his WCW good, stuff right before that's not good. How good would a peak heel Billy Graham be against Hogan? Right. I can yes. see that being so freaking cool. It's like what Jesse Ventura tried to do. Right. Yeah, I mean, if Graham could have hung on and, like, fought Hogan at WrestleMania 2 in his peak and then oh. and then fell apart. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. All right, my 48 is a guy who is going to finish higher on my new list for sure because I just watched a ton of early MSGs, and that's uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Mm-mm. Yeah, I have him uh... – decent amount higher actually yeah he's gonna be a decent amount higher on my list too so i'm okay. happy to save him all right yeah. yeah we can talk about him later he's inside the 25 for me in the 25 eh mm-hmm. interesting i think he's challenging. yeah because i love his old stuff and his i think his new shit is like underrated like even just watching those msgs right yeah i i think he's the best thing about 1984 wwf like when when I when I when I watched because I've been watching through the MSGs I'm almost finished 1985, yep. I am shocked at how little Hogan is on these things. Right. Oh, and yeah. eighty and eighty four is really carried by Slaughter. So much so much so to the point where I was like, I, you know, you you do these things like, what if Hogan was never there? It, it's it's probably him, right, who gets the belt from Sheik. Um. Yes, I think so. If he doesn't go away or anything. Yeah, because he's huge over and delivers every time in the ring who's your uh, 47 uh my 47 is mr perfect Ooh, um i have him quite a bit higher but i think he might fall on my list i'll be honest with you he is someone that took a bit of a hit for me going through those late eighties, early nineties, WF stuff. Like he still gets a great stuff, Yeah. but he's another, he's like a DiBiase in a way where you keep waiting for him to really like break through and deliver that. I think he does it more than DiBiase, but yeah, I don't know. He just also has a stretch of stuff that is a little uninspiring or taps out at the three, three and a quarter, three and a half range. And outside of the two Brett matches, um, does he have anything up there either? You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. got matches with tornado, the kind of whatever boss man are like good, but fine. I mean, the flare match is good, but again, it's like, I don't think it's like great. I think it's actually a little overrated. The raw match. Um, right. I mean, Santana, he doesn't really have Santana. Sarnath yeah, that's a great match. Yeah, that's a great match. But I mean, it's also oh, kind of weird. Yeah. It's just a weird random match. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> He was always stuck in a rock between a hard place because, like, on one hand, they never wanted him to win, but they never they never wanted him to lose, but they never wanted to really put him over every anyone. Right. Like, it's like he should be 
put over the boss man, but they don't want him to lose because now he's the proxy for Rude in that feud, right? Like, so like here's the grades I have. It's it's like him versus Coco, two and a half, one and a half. Him versus Beefcake on MSG, two and a half. Him versus Garvin, three. Blazer, three. Brett at MSG, three and a half. Blazer in MSG, three. Rooster at SummerSlam, two. Rooster at MSG, two and a half. Snuka, two and a half. Perfect Rooster again, Seismic Event, star. Hogan, perfect, three and a half. Perfect Genius against Hogan and Warrior, three. Hogan Beefcake against Perfect Genius, three. Warrior Perfect, two and a half. Beefcake Perfect at Mania, two and a half. Hogan Perfect, two and a half on Science Main Event. Right. Santana went four. Garvin, yeah, nothing. Tornado, nothing. Tornado, so, nothing. So why, what is, what is your Greg Valentine grades look like? Uh, hang on. Are they, are they similar? Him and Michaels were three and a quarter. Stars and Space Forever. Boss Man, three and a half. And then the, the perfect matches. Uh, the bright yeah. matches. Bright matches. Um, because so when I'm looking at the the Valentine, my Valentine matches, that's mm-hmm. about the scores I'm giving him most of the time. Yeah, I think the problem with me is his. I didn't, I haven't like documented the grades for like his other like '84 stuff either. Because we started right. in '85. Uh, him and Tito went four stars in January '85. Four stars in March of '85. Mm-hmm. Many wants to talk three stars against Santana and JYD in. in March three and a half against Steamboat, four stars against Windermere Rotundo in August of '85, three stars against Davy Boy and MSG, three stars against fucking JYD. That's like a miracle. Three stars against Bulldog, three against Beefcake. Yeah, so I, I would say it's probably similar. They're I think similar. what hurts perfect. I think what hurts perfect a bit is the. This probably isn't fair, but again, it's like an expectation thing. Like I didn't always go in with the Valentine. I, I feel like Valentine yeah. carried it over, delivered more. Um, whereas I feel like perfect, I was underwhelmed. And I think this is what hit me with DiBiase too. Like I kept waiting for those classics and they just right. never came. And then his O2 run, I know it's a pinpoint drop in the bucket, whatever. It's kind of nothing. Um, 93, the Michaels match with perfect is disappointing with yeah. all the hype, you know, the, the Luger match of mania is disappointing. So it's like, I just feel like with him more than anything, I, I kept getting let down by it. Like so you're the punished- greatest IC champion. So you're you're punishing him for your expectations. Maybe, but it's not just my expectations. It's like the sure. It's the expectations that have been set. It's him, his reputation as a worker. I feel like Valentine has that same reputation. Like I actually, you know, I I wouldn't have compared them until right now because we're talking about it before, and I don't want to make right. this whole show about Greg Valentine. <laughs> but yeah. but I I do think it's interesting. Like because like what you, you the point you brought up of a Valentine being important to the card mm-hmm. is very true. But Perfect is super important to those cards right. in that time. Yeah, I think you could right. argue he's he's that I would not debate that he's a bigger piece. Yeah, yeah I mean I, look, Valentine will probably move down. Like I don't, I don't get think Valentine down that list. Down. Um. I don't. I'm not gonna drop him big time, but yes, I I could see him coming down. All right. Uh, my 47 is Becky Lynch. Oh, 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 oh. I had her at 59 and a note to move her down. I think based on our conversation at that time, but yeah, um, I think we did get into her quite a bit on the last we one, did. but yeah, I mean the issues are there. Like I just think the big time Beck stuff hasn't resonated. It's been a little bit better lately. Um. But I think it's definitely hurt. I think she's been someone that I, I mean, I'm I wanted her to come back. But if she didn't come back after she had the baby, it's probably finishes higher, you know. 
they fucked her up right away, right? Like, they legitimate had the biggest star of wrestling in wrestling with her. And within two months, it didn't feel special anymore. Right. And I'm not sure what they did or didn't do with it. Like, I'm always a bit perplexed as to what happened there. Like, other guys, I can tell. It's usually Triple H beats them, right? But, like... Well, she was the Daniel Bryan McFoley. That was the problem. She wasn't the person that they thought they were going to be pushing and had to be wrenched into their plans afterward. But then they pushed her to the moon, right? Right. Yes. So is that it? Is that they actually got behind her and that's what made her lamer? Um, no, I think. I think it's a type of character that only has so much juice in the tank, unless mm. you are Steve Austin. But even that ran low. You know, what I mean, like you can only just be. The badass, tough guy. For so long before it's not like it's it almost feels forced, you know? Yeah. Would, and then would I, Austin... I think especially when and, and it's not this is really her fault, but when you got Ronda Rousey across from you. It, it's like tough to believe that Becky Lynch is like tougher than her. Yeah, I guess Austin had the benefit of having a villain that he could overcome, but that could always right. bounce back and do something worse. He wasn't a tough guy, yeah. right? Like, Austin's the tough guy fighting against the corporation, the corporate machine, right? So it's like McMahon had the money and the he owned the company. He could do anything he wanted to fuck with this guy. And Austin only had his brawling and his smarts. Becky, and even, like, who's Becky fighting against? Charlotte is positioned as the greatest women's wrestler of all time, right? So it's like, all right, so Becky's not the greatest wrestler. She's the greatest, like, fighter. But, oh, here's Ronda Rousey, who is legitimately yeah. probably the greatest women's fighter, at least to that, you know, over, over the last X amount of time. Um, I don't know if she would be anymore. She's got destroyed her last couple of UFC fights. But uh, she's arguably a top five toughest woman, in, you know, in, in combat fighting. In the world. So it's, it's tough. Right. Well, and the other thing, too, is they were always smart with Austin, which seems silly in retrospect. But, like, none of his title reigns were long. Right. So he always had to – his whole character was about overcoming adversity which is kind of what the vein of the Becky Lynch character was also. But then she was champion for like two years. Right. It's like, okay, what adversity is she overcoming here? Yeah. And you can blame the booking probably more than her (laughs) during that stretch, which, Oh yes. uh, You know, again, not her fault, but still she didn't overcome it per se. And I just, I find the big time Bex thing to be grating and goofy, you know? It's like the big costumes, the big glasses. Like, I don't know. I know she's trying to do like Conor McGregor, but it's like a step. It's like a comedic version. Right. And then for better or worse, again, it's a booking, but squashing Bianca Belair at SummerSlam, like didn't help (laughs) at all. Um, I don't think, I think if people were happy to see Becky Lynch back, but not like that, like they could kind of get robbed of a match there. Again, I think she's been better lately. I think she's piecing it back together. She gets the Rost off, et cetera. But, um, it's someone, if we did this list in December 2019, she's probably higher. Yeah. there's For me, there's just nothing interesting about her anymore. Right. And it's she's the biggest star. She has the highest peak of any of the four horsewomen in terms of star power. Yep. But to me, she's the worst of them. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, it's probably hard to argue that. All right, what's your who's your forty six? My forty six is the Rocket King, Owen Hart. That's Gorilla Monsoon. Rocket King. Um, I had him. And he's down a little bit from me. I had him at thirty eight last time. I have him a higher right now. Um, but did I knock him down more? I think I knocked him down more. Yeah, he's he's down. I still have him a bit higher. I might have him too high. Why does he belong there? So what hurts him for me is he has definitely been hurt by going through the wrestling war zone stuff. So that's every every other Thursday here on Sports Talk Connection. Myself and Jack Campbell going through the Monday Night Wars. We're into late '96, and he's one of the guys that you again maybe it's a Mr. Perfect thing. You and Chad and I are consistently disappointed by. It's like. You see him coming. Okay, Owen Hart versus Mark Merrow, getting 15 minutes on Raw. Here we go, right? And it's like two and a half stars. Okay, here's you know Owen Hart versus Savio Vega, whatever. You know, like two and a half. All right. (laughs) But it's like whoever he fights during that stretch, and and Razor Ramon. Like there's good people he's fighting, right? But I don't see the great stuff, and and maybe it's like a perfect Indiviasi syndrome where you know he's a great worker, but whatever is outside of Bret Hart. And the British Bulldog. Like, where? what are his other great matches? Because even the match with Sean was was disappointing at, in your yeah. house six. I, would I think I went like three and a half. Austin. Correct. So, he again. Breaks his, he breaks his right. neck, so. I mean, how, but how again, you're talking like him, Brett, and Bulldog. I mean, Bulldog's down the list. But Austin and Brett Hart, right? Like, two of the top seven of all time in the company. Um, yeah. And then Bulldog, who... We'll get to. I actually have him higher than Owen. Um, now, he's got some really good stuff with Bulldog. But even that, it's like, all right. I mean, we're not there yet, but I know they got, like, the matches of first and Lafon. And he also has the tag against Austin and Michaels in May, which is really good. But, again, it's against Austin and Michaels. So, I don't see what I want to see out of, like, a perfect a DiBiase. Like, where are the matches against the guy that's good, maybe slightly step below that you're you're bringing him up and going four stars with, like, out of nowhere. Like, give me that. Give me, like, Ric Flair and Ricky Morton going for You know, whatever it is. Like, I want to see that out of some of these guys. And I just don't see it. He gets a lot of time. He's not someone who didn't get time. He's on, like, a ton of Raws, and his matches get time. Yeah. And he had good opponents. Yeah, I, I can't really argue that. I mean, I'm trying to think back at his pay-per-view opponents, but, like, because I have, I'm not as familiar with all the raws as you are as, as you're watching them now. But yeah, like I, you're right. There's something missing there. Even the Brad Cage match, I think, is a little over. Like, you know, the WrestleMania 10 match is a classic. It's a five star, and I'm not trying to denigrate Owen. I mean, I, like again, I have him at 46. He's up there with with these other guys, but I have him yeah. in perfect back to back for a reason. You know, and then it's felt very similar to me as I started to reevaluate. It's like, all right, these are two guys that we know are great workers. They each have a classic, both coincidentally with Bret Hart. Um, <laughs> but they also have like a ton of opportunity and not a ton of classics. Um, also, funny. I think yeah. Owen's got a couple more because he's got the Bulldog match, too, on, on the European final, which is great. But yeah, it's funny. Eh? You just mentioned that like they both have classics with Bret Hart, but they both have disappointing matches with Shawn Michaels. Mm hmm interesting i guess sean is just not as good as brett well the raw match is great uh that yeah. sean's involved in that so yeah. 
<laughs> but I mean, he does have Canadian St. Peter's as an all-time moment as well. Um, yeah, that, but I mean, it's he also actually, sh- he's got a lot of moments. Yeah, but it's also shared among ten guys that moment. I know, right? but he's like, a big part of that match. He does have. Oh, of course. A, he gets a, all that. Um, what also hurts him in my eyes that we haven't really talked about is the post Montreal stuff. And I know again, it's not his fault. You know, I think his heart just wasn't there anymore. And honestly, I wish he walked away. I think so. Greatly be different for him. Um, but that run is filled with just nothing as well. Like he's got an okay match here and there, and a good match here and there, but nothing. That pops out. And that's another year and a half worth of stuff right there, too. Is he the guy who gets the most sympathy votes on this list? Yeah, I mean, it sucks to say, but yes, if it didn't end like the if, way it did. It's if probably he just lower. retired in the year 2000, we would look right. at him completely different, right? Yeah, I don't know. He was pretty beloved still, so I think yeah. he still makes the list. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he I, was the top. And yeah. Yeah, he, he definitely makes the list. It's just like he's probably in the back half. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, he is a top heel all through 94, which is a big part of it, but that helps. And he, he's got a load of moments. Like, that's where I think he stands out maybe out of a perfect. I think he's got much right. more moments. He's got the kick your leg from your leg. He's got the WrestleMania 10 win. He's got the seething in the aisle. He's got the coronation with the crown. You know, he's got the Canadian Stampede. He's got the, you know, for better or worse, the Austin's Neck. Like, <laughs> he's got a lot of big moments. Um, the reuniting with Brett after WrestleMania 13. So there's a ton of, like, big-time memorable things. The, the cast. And this is all off the top of my head, you know? Yeah. Like, he's the top heel in 94, but only because Brett's the champion. Right. Like, he wouldn't be a top heel without the brother connection. And that's not to denigrate it. I think it's a, one of the greatest storylines they've ever done. But it's not like he got that by merit the same way, like, I don't know. Like, the same way kind of perfect is almost the top heel in 1990. Right? Right. Yeah, and by merit, I mean, he deserved it. But, sure, yeah, they probably but... don't go that route if Brett's not the champion. Yeah. Well, I got him higher. I'm probably going to bump him down, but yeah, I got him higher for now. Yeah, he's been, he's definitely been someone that's been disappointing for me. Um, for sure. Rewatching these. Like every time he pops up, I feel like Chad and I have the same discussion. Like, oh man, like this was an Owen match. I thought maybe it would be better. Right. All right. My uh, 46 is a guy who dropped a lot on my list. He's at 46 now. He will not finish at 46. He's going way down, and that's ravishing Rick Rude. Yes. I had him at uh, 63. I I think I shared some thoughts. Again, a guy that I think his best stuff is in WCW. I think he's a super memorable character with some big moments, but outside of matches that you could say again, were they carried by the Warrior or not, there's just nothing else there. No, and his run is short. Like, way shorter than you remember it. Like, he's only there three years, really. Right. Right? Not that, I mean, if, if it was three excellent years, it would be fine. But, yeah, he's he doesn't have, he has hardly anything out of outside of um, the Warrior stuff. He's a great character, but you need a little bit more. He's got very little nuance. It's always the same, you know, unless you want to talk about all the times he changes his tights. Like, his storylines themselves are not that memorable. He's got one or two great ones, but, like... I don't know. He 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 he's a guy who who coasts on reputation. I find. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, he's just in that bucket. I don't. I hate, I hate to keep running them down, but yeah, DiBiase, perfect. Like he's just in with those guys. Where it's just it, yes, the reputation is a great worker, and this is a very specific list, right? So on a more general list, maybe he's looked at considerably better because the WCW stuff is just that much better. But in the specific realm where you're only looking at his work, specifically in the World Wrestling Federation, yeah, yeah, he's just not as well remembered in the ring. I just think the overall ring in ring quality is so shaky during those years in the WWF that like guys that you knew just looked like better workers, just reputations of like being great workers. Right. But I look, being a great worker was different then too. Right. right. Yes. Like I find that being a great worker then, and I think I, I might, this might sound blasphemous, but like I feel the guys in general were just better workers then because they mm-hmm. never did anything that exposed the business. Right. Like everything looked real. The punches look real. The holds look real. You you knew it was fake because no one could get punched in the face that many times. Mm-hmm. But they did a great enough job covering it. Like I think that's what they mean meant by work. And I think another thing that should get lumped into work is drawing sympathy or drawing heat. Right. Uh, and and making the crowd like into a frenzy. That that's why I think a guy like Andre the Giant is a great worker. Because yes. like he's not he's not doing flips, but like. Okay, he's gonna murder somebody out there, you know. Right. Like, I can get on and board with did, that. And did get great heat, uh, for sure. But but it wasn't due to his work. Yeah, right. like yeah. you're you're yeah, like it, it. His heat was not the same as like Andre heat or mm-hmm. like you know who's great at heat? Uh, Piper in ring. Right. Like when we get to Piper, like when you watch the MSGs with Piper, you're like, holy shit. Just through the yes. way – by the way he's fighting, he's drawing mm-hmm. rage out of the crowd, right? That's not Rude. Now, Rude has helped with his character. His character is like he's just right. trying to bang his wife, right? So, of course, you're angry with him. Yeah, like uh, – Rude was very <laughs> monotonous too during that stretch, which doesn't help. Like his offense is all very plotting. A lot of yeah. chin locks, you know, a lot of just – Walking around between moves. There's a ton of that in his matches. But it's weird because he's an in-shape guy who can move well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what, what was happening there. All right. My 45 uh, is a guy that you just covered greatly in depth <clears throat> on the wrestler that was every other Monday here, your solo series. And that is the bad guy, Razor Ramon Scott Hall. Oh, shit. I have him at 43, so we're close. Okay. Yeah, this feels about right. I, I mean, just never had that big main event run. The back end, he just feels very floaty in 95, mm. but one of the biggest stars in the company, no doubt, in 94 and 95. He's got some really high-level matches and, of course, two classics with the ladder matches as well, plus the action zone tag. Uh, yeah. Unforgettable character. O2 run is nothing. I think he's a guy that's hurt a bit by lack of volume and lack of like the big main event run, and I think he's a little low on moments. Yeah. I would agree. Um, I think he's really hurt. So I, I like the um, I like the Survivor Series tag with uh, Flair, mm-hmm. and I really like the match with Brett at um, at the Royal Rumble. I think it's actually a really right. really strong match. But I think, and I think I mentioned this on the wrestle that was that like I think his heel character is really plotting and not that interesting, and I think that hurts the moments. Right. Like, I mean, he beats up Savage in the aisle. That's a pretty big moment, but, like, it's really forgettable. Like, I have to be reminded that it happened. Right. How did Savage hurt his leg? Oh, yeah, Razor beat him up, you know, as opposed to, like, remember when Razor broke Savage's leg? Like, um, so I think he just kind of struggled as a heel early, and then, 
95 is a weird year for him. It's like they're trying to move away from him, but he's still like one of the most over guys. But they're trying to make room for Michaels, so they don't really know how to balance him. They probably should have turned him heel if that was the rumor and that was the plan. That was the plan. Uh, it's been talked about a lot, especially in these circles. But yes, he was supposed to turn at WrestleMania 11 and fight The Undertaker. They had even filmed stuff for it. I think if he turns heel in 95 and fused with Diesel, I think that's mm. your that's your chance. I think you yeah. say both guys run in 95. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, we say that he's got one of the one of the greatest matches of all time in 95, but. Correct. But that's out of nowhere. I mean, that, that was they, they only ran that because Bischoff spoiled the Sid saw whatever the hell happened or they right. realized the card was going to suck, I think. And that's so they said we can't do Sean and Sid. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what hurts, too, is like the Goldust feud had potential to be pretty hot, but he didn't want to play ball. The match kind of sucked. They had that fun brawl on Raw, but and then that he's done. So. I mean, outside like, the ladder match, yeah. Well, he's the greatest actual potential f- feud for Goldust because Razor's whole character is based on he's got like this uncontrollable rage, right? Like it, it was really a match made in heaven in terms of what Razor could have done with that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think them having a street fight where Razor's given a mania could have been awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, are, really, outside of the ladder match at SummerSlam, for all intents and purposes, like. After the Diesel Sean stuff, like he doesn't do a ton. He's got the feud with Jarrett, which is just kind of there. Like it's it's not really in, like any inspiration to it. And then he's with Savio a bit. He's not even in King of the Ring. He's hurt. He doesn't do much else. And he's got the kid stuff, which again is fine, but I don't think it really helped Kid. No. And it was never believable like Kid could beat him. His whole run post-94 is like getting the next Intercontinental Champion the title or getting them ready. Like he's really a placeholder. And that feels sad for a guy as talented and as over as he was. Because I think you could probably make the argument that he's the most over person in the promotion in 94. Oh, yeah. I would say starting as early as late 93 even. Yeah. um, He's getting super over. I mean they have to turn him. Because he's so over. I, I think I think the play is you turn him at Mania, have him face Taker, and then maybe he bullies Kid, and they they can still feud again if you want, but have him bleed the heel again. Right, like have him like you started this. <laughs> like, right, I'm gonna finish you now, kind of thing. Um, he's also a guy who I think I I don't know. This is something I noticed as I when I did the wrestle that was, but it's like really not a very good promo at all. Like really struggles with like mm-hmm. making the, the the promos interesting. The character's down, but the character is such a heavy mask that he's wearing that it's hard for him to actually show emotion and actually get us to care about him at points. Right. Yep. Yeah. So but, this feels about right. Um. I mean, I you could argue like for sure. Yes, he should be above perfect and dbi's and those guys he's got the much higher end stuff he's also got less bad stuff i think um right less disappointment but also less volume like those guys just have a few more years on top of it and dbi has some actively bad stuff with the money ink shit so yes and a few of singles matches also Mm -hmm. uh my 45 it's funny you mentioned the wrestle that was i covered on the first episode of the wrestle that was um, he is a guy, this is going to sound counter to everything that I stand for, but he's at 45 now. He's going to move way up and that's Jake Roberts. Mm. 
So he's a guy that like, I'm sure we talked about in 2017 where I was like, where are the great matches? All his matches are bad. You know, like, and when I look at him now, I just think that, yeah, the matches are not always great. Sometimes they're, there's a couple that are bad, but there's not that many that are bad. But aside from Randy Savage, I don't know if there's few, there's many guys that get you as emotionally invested as Jake does. Right. And I, and it, it, everything is so coherent start to finish with him. Like everything builds upon the thing that came before it. Every match he has, the heat is off the charts. He had a move that killed you. He's got t- actually way more moments than you think. Like when you, when you think about him. Um, and so it, he's, he's a guy where I'm like, the matches almost don't matter. Like he doesn't have a five-star match. I think the best, I think I, I think his best match of the company is probably the blindfold match, which is insane, but like, <laughs> right. you know, but like when you, when you, that, that match encapsulates who he is perfectly because uh-huh. it's a match that's maligned. But like when you watch that match, the crowd is 1000% invested in every movement both guys make. Right. They are behind everything. They go insane when he wins. It's based off an emotional storyline. So I just think that Jake is like kind of this weird outlier where like his matches, his matches don't matter. He's just such a strong character, such a great storyteller, such a great promo, such an important cog in that wheel during that time period. And when he's on in terms of the character, he's, he's arguably the greatest character they've ever had in some ways. You could also argue the DDT is one of the first finishers that really made finishers a finisher. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like it always looked good. We knew what it was. He would just have to do that little short arm. Yeah. He would do that short arm clothesline and you'd be like, Mm -hmm. Oh shit. Like it's on kind of thing. And even something as stupid as the snake. Like, I mean, like, I'm sure I said this exact thing in wrestling. It was, but it's like, how many kids left house shows talking about, mm-hmm. oh my God, did you see the snake? Right? Yeah. Or buy the little rubber snake. <laughs> so it's, yeah. So like, I don't know. He's got to go up for me. Like, yeah, I had him at 53. I think we did talk about him a bit, but I have a note to move him up to. So he's definitely going to come up. And if you look at it, I mean, it's, it's like a, a, a step down from Savage, but along the same lines, just like you said, every feud, there's some level of intensity and emotion behind it. Steamboat DDTs him on the floor and knocks him out, right? Like that feud had yeah. heat. Honky had heat. <laughs> Rude had heat. Uh, the match, obviously the biggest match disappointed, but Andre had heat. Give the guy a freaking heart attack. <laughs> DiBiase <laughs> had heat, right? He put him on the, yeah. on the shelf and then fought off of the money. The uh, uh, Martel had heat. He blinded him, right? And then skip, Earthquake skip, killed the snake. Yeah, you skip bad news for some reason. Oh, yeah, very bad news. Well, I mean, whatever. That's, <laughs> Rats. Yeah, yeah. Can't hit them all. But uh, Earthquake killed the snake. And then yeah. he, he used that anger and fuel to turn on the warrior to teach <laughs> to about just, the dark side. To just go crazy. <laughs> I feel like that gets overlooked in that whole thing. Like losing his best friend is what made him snap. After he had lost his sight right. <laughs> earlier yep. in the year. Yep. And then he's yeah, got the savage shoot, obviously. And then, you know, he obviously, too, is a big part of Austin. Like, yeah. we don't get Austin 316 unless he's fighting Jacob Snake Roberts. Yeah. Yeah, he's huge. His influence is huge. Mm-hmm. And I think you could probably make an argument that, like, Savage Jake is 
the best blood feud they've ever done. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to rack my brains as to what else could be up there. Like, it just sucks we didn't have, like, a major blow-off in a cage or something. But, like, mm-hmm. I mean, Christ, he ruins the wedding. He tries to murder him with a snake. Slaps yeah. his wife. Like, what What more could he do? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's and the, the WrestleMania 6 hurts, too, a little for him and DiBiase. Like, that's one that yeah. they really should have been better. I mean, that's the not the bullshit finish hurts it, too. That's one of the few knocks on Jake. I mean, if you look at all his big matches, they all have a screwy finish. Rude at four. Uh, Andre at five, DiBiase at six. Like they all yeah. have like a, a stupid finish. Um, so that doesn't help either. Even bad news. That's a DQ. Yeah, I, and like at WrestleMania six, Ted DiBiase can't take a pin. Yeah, that was one of the dumber ones. It, it's not like they were setting him up. Like he doesn't fight Warrior for the title in the house shows after that. Like, what? Why are they protecting him? He was gonna feud with Boss Man. Like, whatever. He can lose to and- lose to Jake and still bounce back. And and Jake, it's clearly established at that point, too, that Jake right. has a move that can kill you. Right. So, so like, DiBiase flaunt, maybe get a visual win with the dream, but the ref is out. He, let you know, breaks the hold. He grabs the money to put it in Jake's throat. Jake pops up and DVTs him out of nowhere, and that's it. Yeah. You get the snake on him. Like, it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So you want about today's booking. Jake 100% gets a win with the DVT. Now they might fight fifty-five times, but Jake has been yeah. here at some point. That yeah, yeah, absolutely. So all that to be said, I think if there's if there's one guy I would tell you to try to, I don't want to say ignore his matches because here's the thing too is that in his matches, he's yeah, man, he just moves so inter- He's so interesting to look at the way he moves, the way he strikes. So it's like he is a good worker. I just don't know why it doesn't translate. And some of that might just be that there's so many bullshit endings. Right. All right, my 44 is a guy I dropped a little bit from last time. He was at 37, and that is the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Oh, shit. Um, I've got him substantially higher. All right, why don't we save him? Because yeah. we've been going on, in depth on a lot of guys, and I think he's one that four- deserves the time. Yeah, let's do that. My 44 is Champa, so we talked about him. All right, my 43 is Matt Hardy. Okay, I've got Matt Hardy uh quite a ways down the list so okay let's talk about him yeah i think he's just got a lot of consistency like you know the more we talk about valentine and tito and those guys obviously they're going to move down um to me he's in that range with those dudes like but he also has the classics to back it up because he's got all the Mm. tag stuff right that we know and love with the hardy boys and all that uh he's got the great match with edge at unforgiven he (laughs) is i feel like one of the best workers on tv and pay-per-view in the company uh, for sure, in 07, 08, with all the MVP stuff. And then even when he is in ECW and all that, like, or uh, on SmackDown, where he's just every week he was having, like, really strong matches on SmackDown around that stretch. He was well-regarded. And then even the Hardy comeback stuff. You know, we've talked about that. You and I both enjoy that stuff in, in 17 yeah. with the bar, et cetera. Now, the – and he also had the, the good stuff with Bray until it, it kind of went off the rail. <laughs> but, like, that was okay, too, for right. me. Um, so yeah, I just, I think he's just really good. Like, yes, he's got some downtime, but, um, even the Jeff disappointing match in 01, he makes up for, like they have a pretty good series in, in, uh, 09. So I don't know. I just, I just really think he's super consistent in the ring. He's got all the moments you could want. He's got the classic matches. Uh, he was super over, super, super over with Jeff in 99, 2000. Um, 
main event level as a tag team that only had like a year experience. <laughs> so it's like just, uh, you know, superstar level there in that stretch. And I just think he's someone that's always set out and delivered. Yeah, I don't know why I'm so much lower on him. I guess it's because I don't regard his singles run as highly as you. Like, I, he he maybe should be in the bucket with Santana, Valentine, Kingston. I think so. And you could argue he should be above them, honestly. When you look at his big moments and matches, I think they're probably outweighing. I don't know. Because even the money in the bank when he comes back in 08 is like a huge moment. Sure. But, like, I mean, Kofi's got huge moments of money in the bank yeah. also kind of thing. Like, I think maybe I should reevaluate him into that bucket and kind of see. But then maybe mm-hmm. that brings that bucket lower, you know? Just because he right. doesn't – uh, he feels like in those big matches, a good part of them, but I always acquiesce to giving more credit to Jeff in every single mm-hmm. one of them. And he feels like the way more he- important part of the team. Maybe, but it feels like he's driving it, Matt. It was like steering the match, and Jeff's getting the big spots to credit. You know what I mean? Like, he just feels like he's navigating things at all times in there. He also They also have really good stuff when they come back as reunited team in 06. In 07. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think we when we did our list for greatest tag teams, we had him at number one, the Hardys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's no doubt that, like, Matt Hardy deserves to be on the list altogether. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I'm not as high on his singles run. I have to kind of evaluate him a bit more. But to me, like, I don't know, like the TV stuff just doesn't matter as much to me. And maybe it's because I didn't watch it live. And it, so I, 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 I didn't need to be constantly entertained by him. But when he comes out for singles matches outside of the MVP stuff and outside of the edge stuff, I'm struggling to think of like really memorable feuds or series there's also got all the V1 stuff, which is super entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, it just feels like V1 feels closer to Santino Morella than Jeff Hardy. Mm. But I, I don't mean that as an insult. I, I love Santino Morella. You know, like, it just feels like it's 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 a lesser part of the card. But I think I'll reevaluate him. Yeah, I think he's worth a look. I mean, I, I don't think it was the easiest thing to have consistently really good matches on TV during that stretch. Oh, because it just wasn't like a lot of depth on the roster in that 08, 09. Right. And he was doing it. And the stuff with MVP was really good. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I mean, he does have that lull. Like, he has made to look like a goof with Edge. But the cage match is great. Yeah, I like the. That's the one where he. I like the SummerSlam match, actually. Yeah, me too. I, I think that's a really. It's very different and interesting. I think at the time, we were just pissed at the result. No, that was good. The ladder match, and and then they have the ladder match at Raw, which is fine. When he leaves, goes to SmackDown. But um, yeah. Anyway, I, I think he, I think he's got enough, and I think those ladder matches in the TLCs historically meant so much too that like that should carry weight. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure it does. For sure it does. All right, my forty-three. We talked about Scott Hall. Okay, my forty-two is Kevin Owens. Okay, that's high. So I have we I had Kevin Owens at fifty seven. Okay, I, I I think he's only raised his profile <laughs> since then, <laughs> uh, because he's a guy that if you wanted to talk about this list from a WWE point of view, which is what we're doing, like him deciding to stay. Yeah, I think like adds a little bit to this as well because in a time where everyone else was jumping 
he said, I'm going to stay here and like be great here still. And then he immediately gets this awesome feud and slot, which he completely carries 100% on TV with Steve Austin and delivers in spades in that match. He's just fantastic in that match. He's made this stupid Ezekiel Elias thing great. <laughs> like, I mean, everything he does, it just works. Plus, he's got the awesome Cena matches if you want to dial it all the way back. We're kind of the NXT stuff, and you get the Sami Zayn stuff in there. Um, the J- list of Jericho is all great. You know, his down stuff is is the Sami Zayn Shane stuff. Obviously, that that hurts. There's also his, a little stri- yeah. His God. universal title reign is pretty down too. And there's that little stretch, too, I think, late last year when it seemed like he was not motivated and was going to add out. Uh, but he also has the Ambrose stuff, which is really good as well. I know we like that match um, at the Rumble. What year is it? 17? Yep. 16. 16. <clears throat> so, yeah. Plus KO Mania. It's a cool idea. Yeah. Um, I See, I feel the way you kind of probably feel with Perfect mm. with him in that, like, I'm always a little bit disappointed in the matches. Like, I think he really peaked match quality wise, like his first match in the company <laughs> against Cena. And he's you know, never got been... that four away too in 16. though. That's great. Oh, it is great. That match is great, but it's not the same as having a great one-on-one match. Right. You know? Um, and so I, I don't know. I'm just always left wanting more with him. I found his character kind of aimless at times, but that might be me just being, disillusioned with the product as a whole, right? right. Like, it, it, it feels like they have this guy in him on the roster that if you let him loose can do these incredible, amazing things, and instead he's just doing very good things. Right. So I think that's where I, I'm at with him. I think he's a good comp for Hall. I think. I think he's like a modern-ish version more volume, obviously, because he's been around longer, but yeah. he's kind of got the two great matches. He's that gatekeeper stalwart to the upper mid card who can be elevated as needed. Um, maybe if Hall sticks around and does that turn, et cetera, et cetera, like this is the kind of run he gets, you know? Right. Um, I don't think there's any world where we'd want a fantasy book of Hall not leaving, but uh, if he <laughs> doesn't, perhaps this is where it goes. But I, I think I just think the Austin run, like this list was obviously done before that, but the Austin run doesn't. I don't think I'll move him up, but I'm not going to move him down because that was so good. I just why, that well, whole build would, and that match was great. Why wouldn't you move him up? Because it's so big. Why wouldn't you move him up a bit? Well, when I did this list in December, yeah, I guess he could. I mean, between that and the Ezekiel stuff's been good. Yeah, so maybe he will move up. All right. Maybe maybe he'll take Rick Valentine's spot. <laughs> I hope so. Get that bastard down. Uh, my 42 is Bailey. I have her at, I don't think it's higher, so. I don't think so either. I barely at 52. Okay, so not too far away. I Look, I just think Bailey, along with someone else, is more responsible for the women's success than maybe mm-hmm. anyone. Um, I think the match with Sasha Banks at uh, TakeOver Brooklyn is the match that showed the world that women right. could have as good a match as the men uh, at, at its peak. I think she's a really interesting in an, in a, in an era where it's really hard to be a baby face. She had an exceptional baby face character in NXT. And I would say even for a while in the main roster, when she first came up, 
like it, it it's weird to be a positive character but she nailed it for whatever reason uh, and then i think she really excelled as a heel like that pandemic year as much as it's maligned she's mm-hmm. excellent throughout yes yeah, she's, she's definitely one of the mvps yes yeah she always delivers she's always good she's 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 good at everything she's good in tag she's good as a heel she's good as a face I would say she's probably the most well-rounded of the women, mm-hmm. of the four horse women. Um, I just don't think she has all the same highs as the two I have above her. Right. Uh, but definitely a few steps up from Becky Lynch. And I, I don't know, like I can still watch that match with Sasha Banks, watch the promo before and get emotional about the win, even though I know it's coming. So I think that that's kind of weird and special. Yeah, I mean, the connection she had to the young female audience was, like, unlike anything else this company's ever had, which is a huge part of her success. Uh, I had her higher than Becky. Becky was below her, even though I have her lower than you here. Uh, But I echo everything you said. It it was one of the workhorses of the pandemic. It looks like she's on the verge of coming back, so we'll see what she can do to maybe pad her resume out in these last five months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, someone that always delivered. This tag stuff with Sasha was great. (coughs) Um, Just didn't get that didn't get those chances to be in the main event event to feud with Ronda Rousey. Like, like she hasn't been given those opportunities, which you know she'd likely deliver in. Yeah, she's the only one who hasn't fought Rousey, right? Of the four horsemen? Right, yeah. We need to get like a big singles match with them, which we may when she comes back. There's rumors she's going to be um, at SummerSlam now, so we'll see. Well, that's good. I just feel that a match with Rousey now is not the same as it was as in 2018. No, you're right. Yeah. Yes, I would agree. Uh, all right, where are we at? Uh, Last person tonight for you. My 41, Pat Patterson. I don't have Pat Patterson on my list. Ooh. All right, he's up a little bit for me. Um, that may shift, but, I mean, this is a slaughter feud alone, like, gets him on the list, plus the backlit matches, which are great. Um, one of the stalwarts of a generation prior to our time, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he was a guy that definitely was great at working a match and building heat. Absolutely. And then you get all the Stooges stuff, <laughs> which is awesome. You know, <laughs> uh, he's so good with Vince in 98. Like he's a big part of that act. The bumps it over the edge and everything else, like especially the early days before they become like a real joke. But even early 99, when they come out, they're like the first ones to really mock Hogan. Where they come mm-hmm. out to Real America and they rip the shirts. Like, that really wasn't done yet up until that point. Right. That was a cool moment. So, he's already got, like, a great career. And then he comes back in retirement and pads on that stuff. So, so as I've been going through the house show stuff, this is a guy that I have checked to watch uh, a lot of. Mm-hmm. And I think I've watched about at least 15 or 20 matches so far. I'm going to watch more. I just find him so boring. Yeah. I just don't connect with him at all. Like, but like at all. You watch the I, slaughter stuff? Yeah, and I don't like it. Like, it's not, not that I don't like it. I, I clearly see that it's good, right? But it feels like light years behind the slaughter chic stuff for me. Right. Um, I watch the Backland matches. Uh, they're okay. Like, whenever he, like, like, you know, like, I have guys that I want to check out, right? So, like. Whenever Morocco comes out, I watch the match. Whenever Orndorff comes out, I watch the match. Because I'm just trying to pat, I'm trying to make sure this list makes as much sense as possible to me, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever he comes up, I I'm like fuck, like, and I I always consider not watching it. Like I don't know what it is. What what am I missing? 
Like, what am I missing about this guy that that I just find him so ungodly boring? I think he's I think he's a pretty good striker, and he's, when he starts right. punching and kicking, the crowd gets behind him. But I just find in the rest of the match, I'm bored to tears by him. Yeah, it's tough because the seventy styles just like that too, you know, which doesn't help. But yeah, it's, it's weird though because I'm I don't feel that way about Bruno. I don't feel that don't way talk about, about Bruno. <laughs> I don't feel that way about Backlund. I don't feel that way about Greg Valentine, you know, or or Sheik. Even Sheik when he's the great Hussein, I I don't feel that way. It's right. really him. Like maybe it's his look. I I, I don't know. Maybe because I hate the French. I don't know. I'm going to keep watching, but I, I I feel like if I put him on my list now, it's because I'm feeling pressured to do so as opposed to because I actually want him on the list. It feels you know like I mean? he should be on the list. Pardon me? It feels like he should be on the list. Why, though? I told you why. I guess. But it's just for me, like, if I'm not feeling that at all, like one of the things I wanted to do with this list, because I feel like the last list, I'm sure I was swayed by a bunch of other things I was listening to. And, you know, oh, yeah, we've talked about that. You yeah. guys like will dust the will effect. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. a lot of those podcasts he was doing, you know, with all the various guests, not just him, definitely influenced because it was, you know, telling stories of these guys. And um, I do think Patterson is a stuff I like. But, yeah, I'm sure there was some influence there, too. That's it. So with this list, like. I'm trying as much as possible to not hit that influence. Like I'll listen to Ryan's stuff when he's debating stuff and back and forth. Cause like I find that debate interesting. And when they bring up good points, I'll take them in mind and I'll, I'll see if I can finagle it, but I don't want to feel pressured to put him on the list if I don't like him. And that's right. where I'm at with him. So maybe if I keep watching and something kind of turns around on him, he might sneak in on the back end. But as it stands right now, I don't see him making it. All right. Who's your 41? 41 is Sasha Banks. Okay. Uh, I have her... I had her at 92 last year, and actually I have her higher this time. Higher than you. Me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, look, uh, I kind of talked about Bailey, so why don't we leave Sasha Banks? But all I'll say is that it's Bailey's resume... But then with a bunch of steps up. Right. Yes. I think what really happened, what really helped her in my eyes was the Tampa main event in that feud. I know you're not as high on that, but I like that match a lot. I like that match a lot more than I like the um, Bel Air-Becky match. Right. I will say that. I, I think I think I'm at like maybe like three and a half, four on that match where some people are like five. I think that's where the... Difference. Right, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say I was five. I'd have to rewatch it, but I'd, I'd probably be at least like four and a quarter in there. Um, all right, so we'll talk about her next time. We'll be back next month. We will tackle forty through thirty-one. We're getting there. Only a few installments left here before we wrap up the year and submit our lists. There's other great content you referenced it earlier. Uh, we have a couple of shows that kind of rotate in and out, usually on Sundays. Ryan Gray is making the case where he'll have various guests on and they will debate the case of multiple wrestlers, and then also our buddies Tim and Marcus from viewers choice play a game called high low where they set the clock for 30 minutes and they say you know is this guy higher or lower than 50 or whatever um on the list and those pull random names out of a generator so that's a super fun list as well plus all the content we have here anything you want to spotlight quickly before we go um 
check out new gen on a mission like usual uh mm -hmm. pratt and um Flamka killing it like they always do uh one of my favorite every shows to listen tuesday. to every other every tuesday. tuesday that's it so check that out that's fun stuff keep supporting ryan keep supporting clotheslines and headlines um and everything else that's going on in ourself yeah we're super proud of all the content we've continued to bring you and if you like the shows you listen to take a minute and just spread it around or leave a rating leave a review it literally takes like 30 seconds just do it it helps us out it helps us get um, some more eyes and ears on our products. So thank you very much. Dookie's been dropped. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks right back here on No Holds Bar. Can't touch this.